This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Welcome to today's episode. Our guest is Laura Bites. I'm so excited to have her on, a comedian that I look up to very much here in the L.A. comedy circuit. Recently on Lights Out with David Spade. Just got her name on the comedy store wall. So she's like, Do- you're doing it, girl. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I was supposed to be on Lights Out next week. No. Two. Ah. How did that whole well, thing happen? How did you meet David Spade and how did you get on? How, how did that happen? Um, he saw me at the comedy store. And then, like, pulled you aside. That's having time. Yeah. And, like, did you go home and you were, like, crying a little bit inside? Like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was excited. I was really, really nervous. And I tried to make sure to, like, enjoy it while it was happening, which is hard when it's happening. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see him, actually. When he saw me, I didn't know he was there. I knew that people, I knew that it was like an audition. Like I knew the people from his show were there, but I didn't know that he was there because he was hot. He hides in like this booth that I didn't know about, but I had a good set and he liked it. And so I got to go on the show and do stand up, And then they had me back to do a correspondent piece, the red carpet thing that I posted yesterday. Yes. Which was like so old. I just had never posted the whole thing. Um, I'm like so bad with social media and stuff. I've, as I said, I, I don't like learning new things. And I know that's not like a good quality in a person. (laughs) Like it's a defect of mine, but I don't care for it. And I don't appreciate it. I don't like having to do it. And so I did this, like, (laughs) I did this like correspondent segment, like, I don't know, six months ago now. And I just finally was like, well, all right, I suppose if I'll be trapped in my house for two weeks i guess i'll learn how to post it (laughs) and actually they changed everything it was easy as pie i had no problem posting it at all perfect well to that same point lara it's like you know i can't keep up with all the shows like you know when i started in comedy there were three networks and not a lot of people had cable and stuff like that where are you from (laughs) Uh, Milwaukee. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. And how did you get to L.A.? How long have you been here? Um, I've been here like three and a half years. Yeah. What made you decide? You were like, this is it. Now's the time I'm going by. I don't know. I didn't really feel. Oh, no, I guess. So I like I was planning to move to a coast like in three years from like three and a half years ago. Yeah. And so I like went to New York and did like a couple weeks and, um, (laughs) and I didn't like it. And then I, but I was like, I could like make it work. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But then I came out here and did like a week of shows out here and I loved it. And I moved a month and a half after that. I just like made lists of everything I would have to do to move. And then I just started doing all this stuff on the lists and it took me a lot less time than I thought it would. So it took me a month and a half, 
And then I came out and lived here. Did you know anybody when you got here? <sighs> yeah. I knew like a few people, but it was like comedy friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like, I don't know. Like I, I knew people, but it's also, I don't know. It's different when you get out here because it's like, if you come from another city and the person who you know out here has been like living here for a few years, it's like they have a whole new life. Yeah. Like there are people who I liked in the Midwest when like we were in the same scene, but now if they're like, oh, I'm like going to be visiting or I'm coming out, I'm like, have a good time. Like yeah. I'm busy. I have a whole new life now. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you get whole new friends and it's like, if I haven't talked to you in two years, like, well, you're a person of my past now, you know? I don't know. Maybe that's like bad, but that's how I am. That's what it is. It's exactly what it is. Cause you come out here in waves like, Oh, so-and-so moved to LA. Oh, that's cool. Good for him. And then two years later, you find yourself out in LA. Hey, so-and-so what's going on. And, and it's like, I no, I get it. I totally get it. It's like, you're, you're from Chicago, Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I'm here from Chicago. Yeah. I did three years of stand up in Milwaukee and then three in Chicago. Wow. And then moved out here and been out here for three and a half. I remember, I don't know where we were, but I remember I was with uh, Dave. You were at that gay bar and that guy from Tinder showed up. No, no, not me. I think I'm thinking of someone else. I'm yeah. sorry. I no, just remember okay. who I was, I'm thinking of. I was with, not you. You guys have a similar vibe, but I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. No, that's fine. Um, there is Dave Yates, who's been on the show as well. You guys have been friends, I think, from the Midwest as well, because he's also from Illinois. And I was, he had just recently moved out here. And the two, like you, man, I think we were at the improv, maybe. And you showed up and he was like, Laura. And you guys talked. And I was, I don't know why. I just felt like, oh, there, there is this definite like oh star quality and these are the cool people and comedy and I was I don't know so excited I was like oh my friend Dave from Illinois like knows you and I don't know I thought it was really cool anyway that was uh my girl crush is that cool okay good um well thank you <laughs> and you're do and you're doing it and you're killing it and like you're really living the LA dream so I'm so excited to hear about like the music that makes you tick so if you don't mind We'll just jump into song number one. So it's a song called Adored by a singer named Hachi. Why that song? Yeah. Why? Why did you pick that? I love that song. Um, it takes me to like when I was working this like really, really hard case. So before I went full time doing stand up, I was like, you know, obviously like had day jobs for years. And the most recent and the most challenging was I was a behavior interventionist um, for like uh, for adults and kids, mostly on the autism spectrum. And I was working this case and it was like, the commute was gnarly. The client was like very, very challenging, very challenging. And I was like on my way to work and that song came on my Spotify and I'd never heard it before. And I loved it. And I listened to it like constantly. Like I listened to it on repeat for a really long time. And um, it made me feel good. And it like lightened up going to like a place I did not want to go. <laughs> How did you get involved in working with people with disabilities? 
Well, I started when I like I was a volu I volunteered at summer and winter camps for adults with special needs when I was in seventh grade through high school, and that was fun. And so then I went to college, and I didn't really have any better ideas. I didn't think that you could be a comedian, and so that was like what I went to college for, and that's how. I'm I'm asking because that's been my when I'm not doing show business career since I was in college. I started out in a classroom setting and then before autism even had like a spectrum definition, it was just like mild, moderate, severe and had to do a lot. Was it like a one-on-one -on -one job that you were doing that you were heading out to, that kind of stuff? It's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you don't do any of that anymore, just full-time performance. No. Yeah. yeah. Well, now I don't do anything. <laughs> she does comedy. Well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the, the moment we're all on hiatus. Yeah, so the commute was gnarly, and this was in Milwaukee still. No, that's here. Wow, okay. About what you, so you were working for an agency that was supporting disabled people here in Los Angeles? Yeah. Yeah, because I work for a place called Pathpoint right now, and I'm, I'm basically a job coach, and I still go visit clients with different levels of disability. It's very challenging, very hard work. And uh, yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's God bless you for doing that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And brave to to let go of the guaranteed income to be like, yeah, we're going to do we're going to do stand up all the time because it's not guaranteed, obviously, as we're finding out. <laughs> yeah, I well, I mean, I'd be just as fucked if I was still doing that job, you know, because um, that's not happening either right now. But um, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? What did you tell your parents? Like, oh, I want to be. A teacher, a doctor, whatever. I wanted to be an environmentalist. Like, that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to save the planet and, like, pick up trash my whole life. But that obviously <laughs> didn't turn out that way. I mean, in, like, my heart, I wanted to be a comedian. But I didn't know. I did, you know, it's like wanting to be a unicorn where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't think it was an actual job. But I would, like, shut myself in the bathroom and like sit on the sink and give interviews to Jay Leno in the mirror and like practice like being famous. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing. But I didn't, I didn't tell anybody, but I did, um, I did stand up for like the talent show that we had in Girl Scouts when I was like a little kid. What? Do you remember anything that you said? It's like no, your but first I remember I bombed because those <laughs> girls were bitches. I fucking hated Girl Scouts. At Girl Scout camp, you did a talent show. That was your first onstage experience. It was like it was like an overnight retreat. I feel like camp is too generous, but yeah, that was my first on stage stand up experience. Yeah, because they're expecting you to like sing and dance, and you're like, I'm hilarious. <laughs> yeah, they were like, Come on, Laura. I was like, Fuck you, Jill. <laughs> did you have a best friend as a kid, or were you kind of like um like a hopper amongst all the cliques? I was like a hopper. I don't know. Like I had best friends, but I, I, I like went through them. Like I and I didn't have one for like all the years or anything, yeah. but I also switched grades. Like I skipped um, fourth grade. And so I went from like third grade to like a different school with different kids. And I didn't really ever fit in in the first place, but then I like really didn't fit in. Mm -hmm. And it was like more obvious I didn't fit in. Neither did I. I had like a I had like a best friend and then she moved to Georgia when I was like really, really little. 
What was her name? Do you remember? Reconnected on Facebook. Nikki. Alexis O'Nikki. Alexis, that was the name of my best friend as a kid. And she had a little sister yeah, named Keeling. Yeah. Aw, shout out to the Alexises. Yeah. This is your song number two. This is where these winding roads have led. Oh, oh. I can see a day of gold ahead. So this is a song called This Will Be the Day by Lady Bree. Why this song? Why did you pick this song? I heard this after I, like, when stuff was, like, just starting to happen for me with comedy. So, like, when I had, like, just gotten passed at the store and was, like, just about to be on Comedy Central. And I heard this song. And so I played it over and over. I don't know. And it's kind of just about, like, relaxing and being ready for your moment and, like, stepping into your power and just like doing the thing that you've been preparing to do. I think that's important. And what's interesting is like, it's not like a pump up song either. This is a lot more calm of a tune, almost like a meditation Zen. You know, you posted something on Facebook in like a a women's group that I love so much. And it sticks with me because you talk a lot about what it means to be successful in the evening and how you really have to give yourself a break So you just let yourself get up whenever, and then you have this whiteboard that you write down like, well, what do I need to do today? And whenever you get up, then you just start with that. Um, How did you come up with that? Like, how do do you stay sane? How how do you work as a successful person at night and, like, not force yourself to be up when everyone else is? How do you you walk to your own beat, I guess is what I'm asking. (laughs) Well, I got the idea for a visual schedule which I guess technically isn't what this is because I don't have pictures of my different activities. But (laughs) when I was working with um, clients as a behavior interventionist, uh, like the day was always structured. And so it was very clearly like, we're doing this, then this, then this, then this. And so then when I quit that job and was just doing shows at night, I found that I was like waking up, feeling like I was lazy because I was getting up so late and then feeling like I wasn't doing anything until my show. And then since I was like the newest paid regular at the store, my spot was at like one in the morning, you know, and then coming home, having to like come down from the adrenaline. So not going to sleep until like four in the morning, which really is like how long it takes. And people who do this, get that. And people who don't, it sounds crazy to stay up that late, but it's like your body goes through so much. Like when you go on stage and there's like the three highs, there's like the high before you go on stage, the high when you're on stage, and then the high after you're on stage. And then there's like the come down mm-hmm. and, um, and the come down is when then it's like, I get my appetite back. I can actually like eat dinner because I can't before I go on stage. I can't eat for hours before I go on stage. I'm the same way. Um, and then afterwards, like you're ravenous because you have used all this energy and you have, I mean, it's a stressful event. <laughs> like it's positive stress. That's such a perfect way to put it. And I've never heard it put that way that there are three highs. I mean, I've always kind of just, the, the the night, you know, or the performance is the one, but it really is broken up. It's like you're getting high three different times and yeah. then you come down up, but that's a brilliant way to put that. Thanks. Which, 
was your was your home life like um you know if you were to think of aunties uncles brothers and sisters growing up in your home was it a, like I, you said it's kind of like imagine yourself as being a, a, a performer a successful comedian was completely <laughs> why was that what kind of household did you come up in was it pretty much button down blue collar kind of thing or how was your family supportive and stuff like that what do you draw from those days i mean it was pretty fucked <laughs> oh really? you don't have to go down this road if you don't want to but you know um i mean my parents did their best um but like my dad was an alcoholic and then moved out and then went to jail and then died. And um, it just was like fucked. And I always needed an escape, you know? And I know that that's where like the daydreaming came from. Um, Cause I always just like was putting myself somewhere else. Right. Um, uh, well, no, but it's like, and so, you know, dad's having these issues and you're aware of it. You're consciously aware of it, but somewhere inside of you was bubbling up inside this person who's like, fuck it, I'm going to be who I'm going to be and I'm going to become a comedian. Was there any person or event in your life besides that, like, you know, you got to that point at the Girl Scout thing, but I mean, when does that leap, when does somebody make that leap from like, well, I'm in special ed, I'm going to college, I'm doing everything I need to do. Like, who helped you make that leap to, to like um, fucking be there? Was it all internal? Kind of? Yeah, because that's like really not how it happened. I wasn't I wasn't a kid. I wasn't like, fuck it, I'm going to be a comedian. I like never thought this was something I could do. But then I had um, I had a friend who did stand up. I mean, I was obsessed with stand up. You know, I watched as much of it as I could possibly get my hands on. Um, but he was doing it in Milwaukee and he was like, not my funniest friend. Um, he was like, doing contests and like doing like well it seemed like you know and so I went to watch him at an open mic and everyone was so bad I was like oh I could do better than that you know <laughs> and so then like I started doing it and um and I even would like make fun of the, I was like <laughs> I would like make fun of those guys because some they like took it so seriously and I was like you're not gonna be a comedian dude like you're not gonna be you can't just be a comedian um and i would like roast these dudes and then i became a, a comedian <laughs> but it was like i don't know it was just like whatever was in front of me i did it and then there was something did different in front of me and then i did that and then there was something different in front of me and i did that you know i've had just like these like bite-sized goals along the way and now that like you know, stuff has like happened for me and I've seen how that turns out. Now I have like big goals in front of me, but also still have the little ones. So like my goal for today is to um, write for a half an hour. You know, I'm going to do this with you guys and then I'm going to do my bathtub podcast at eight o'clock. <laughs> and then um, I'm going to write for a half an hour. But then my big goal is like, I'm going to be rich and famous and fill up stadiums and have like a mansion with a pool. Perfect. And you should have that. Yeah, I will.
And what's this podcast at eight o'clock tonight? It's not even, it's not podcast. My friend, Nicole, uh, Nicole Amy Schreiber and I go live from our bathtubs every <laughs> night at eight since this quarantine. Cause we always would like every night before this, we FaceTime from the bathtub. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something we decided to do. It's just something that we do, you know? Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, cause in the bathtub, I mean, you're like soaking there for like 20 minutes. I take a bath every day and, um, yeah, I take a bath with baking soda. It's good for you. And you're soaking there for like 20 minutes. It's like, may as well call a friend. And so we were doing that. And so we've been doing it and sharing it with others and it's been really fun. And I think that we're making people laugh. People say they like it and they look forward to it. Gives me something to look forward to, which is like. Mm -hmm. so needed right now for sure and this this was started as kind of just between friends but then when the quarantines and shit happened that's when you decided let's just go public with this yeah it was her idea and i like reluctantly agreed to it i was like all right and then i regretted agreeing to it and then i'm so glad i agreed to it (laughs) Well, song number three, I can already tell you we have a Y-Tunes connection, so let's do that. Oh, you better lose yourself in the music the moment you own it. You better never let it go. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. You better lose Oh, but am I familiar? Eminem, lose yourself. From a mile. Hey. Uh, why did you pick that song? Where does it bring you? What does it make you think of? That was like my hype song. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting because like the Lady Bree song is like the same concept. Like it's to get you ready for something important for like an important show or important shows. But it's a totally different vibe. And now as now that I've like been doing this longer, I'm realizing I do better when I calm myself down before I go on stage rather than hyping myself up because I like do make myself sick like I get sick to my stomach and so it's much better for me and I perform better if I'm like this is not a big deal this is not going to really change anything just like do it but back then yeah I would kind of like enjoy that high and I think that's all it is I think that's all that song it's like a way to get high because it like nothing is that important you know what i mean but the whole song is like you get one shot and it's like no you don't you get like <laughs> infinity shot. yeah <laughs> there are a lot of shots you get infinity shots yeah that's great the song for me brings me back to my first job in radio and my like first apartment that I was paying for and I was living with like a bunch of my friends and in my room like I bought myself my tv and I was starting to like my I started my dvd collection which was important in 2002 and 3 let me tell you and uh Mm -hmm. this was like one of the movies that I bought and I would listen I would watch it I would pick one movie a week and that's what I would watch to fall asleep to and this one uh was a favorite (laughs) uh because have you seen Eminem um, he's gorgeous to me. And, oh, you're attracted uh, to Eminem? I'm not. Uh, no, that's okay. I love him so much that I went and saw him in Lollapalooza in like 2009 or 10 during his like comeback tour. And he's hilarious. Like, I, I don't know um, if people realize, but he's a really funny, 
human and in between a lot of his songs in the set like it was just jokes and he had gotten sober and um he was really toying with the audience like oh this this show sucks and i'm just gonna i gotta drink away my pain and so we're all like no don't do it but he had this like vest on and um whenever he was drinking coke in the bottle i guess he had it like come out of his vest it was very it was cute it was kitschy i loved it i love i love eminem we all love him. I think I said something in the crowd too. I was like, oh, I've had a crush on him my whole life. And the girl next to me also uh, white and, you know, my age. And she was like, who hasn't had a crush? Well, Laura Bites, she has not had a crush on Eminem. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure if he like started flirting with me, I would be into it, you know. Mm-hmm. But he's not like, I don't know. He's not like, oh my God. It's just not really my type. Well, who is your type? I don't know. I immediately regretted saying that because I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there really a type? I, I think once somebody says they have a type then that the door opens up and then a completely different person we can have i mean own. not guys with fucking frosted tips oh my god who has that anymore what was that hair? <laughs> when eminem came in you know there was so much going on around him but i couldn't i couldn't figure it out you know and then eight mile came out and it all crystallized because it very much in some ways, you know, resembled my life growing up. Like, and I was really, it was amazing. I went from like, who is this fucking little white boy trying to like do another version of Vanilla Ice? And then saw 8 Mile and like, fuck, man, I was, I was born in a trailer. And I had fucked up family history. And he's such, he, for me, I mean, this guy is like, obviously quintessential artist, pump up song. Well, my pump up song has always been. Uh, let's go crazy with Prince. I didn't have a crush on Prince either. But definitely, let's go crazy with something I would consciously put on and use as a fucking drug to go bartend at the best bar in my hometown. Because I was so shy and so insecure, and I wanted to be a bartender. I wanted to be cool about it. And I got the job, and I'm like, I'm fucking afraid. But I would put on Let's Go Crazy in my 71 Pontiac Le Mans, crank it up, and I'd walk into that bar with some fucking attitude. Do you use Eminem that way? You know, well, you you said you calm yourself down before you go on stage. Like, did it used to be different? Were you hyped up? Now you got to calm yourself down, get out there and be smooth about it. This isn't a song you'd listen to before you go on stage, right? Um, No, not anymore. Not I anymore. used to. It used to, like, be my song I would listen to on my way to, like, really important shows. But now I find that that doesn't serve me anymore to be like, this is so important. <laughs> There's no other option but for this to go well. Because it's like, yeah, there is. It can go badly. And you'll live. And that's fine. I, uh, the nugget on this song I loved because um, on the set of 8 Mile, there he had a trailer where he could like go record music for the film. And this song he actually had for like over a year and decided, you know, you know what, um, here you go. You musicians, you build the beat around my vocal. So it wasn't like layering. He had, he laid down his voice part first and then had musicians like figure out how to make it work around him. That's cool. Yeah. I do relate to like the message of that song, just being like success is my only option. Failures not. Like, there was not a plan B, you know? If this didn't work out, I just was fucked. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key, like, though. I mean, like, there's not even there's not even an if. There's not even an if it didn't work. Like, I had nothing. I mean, it just had to. It just had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wasn't going to quit. 
because I don't have any, I couldn't if I wanted to, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that is what separates artists that have a body of work and, and, and that, that, and then become ultimately, that's what they do for a living. I, in my, in my experiences, I've never had that. I've always, I've been more comfortable with my day job. Even at the height of my peaks and valleys as an actor, when I had like a sitcom or whatever it might be, I was always, I always was like, I can't fucking do it. I just cannot go to that place that Jay Leno went, that obviously you guys are going to, you know, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal, to a lot, phenomenon to a lot of us. Like I'm, I'm a hobbyist when it comes to the performing it's like, I, and I my just, jobs were always like, well, I can't stay here. <laughs> Whatever else happens, I sure as shit can't stay here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I. It's just it's it's it's, it's admirable, and it's a fucking it's hard. It's people. It's hard. And without music, I don't think we could get through it. I honestly don't. Here is your song at number. Evans born to fly when I was moving here so I moved here by myself I bought I bought a car and I hadn't driven in like 10 years and then I drove that car to LA like two weeks later (laughs) I know and um and I asked my friend Carter to like um send me some like triumphant music you know I like I like had a boyfriend in Chicago I broke up with him the day that I like moved here and just like left everything behind and um this song I listened to a lot on like the drive here and um I still listen to it uh I don't know these are kind of anticlimactic explanations but yeah, but that's where like it takes me to. It takes me to like seeing the mountains for the first time, like coming from the Midwest and like having my breath taken away and being like, "Holy fuck!" I'm like going to, like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing right now? You have a lot Why of time to like you- sit and think and be by yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. The it trip is, is fun. Not driving for ten years. You were living in Chicago and you just took public transportation, or yeah. Yeah, that same. I was in New York before I came to LA. It was like eight, ten years without a car. Yeah, what it's car, easier. What kind of car did you buy? Mm-hmm. A Kia Rio. A Kia Rio, brand spanking new. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there was no issue. You're like, oh, I don't know if it's gonna make it. It was fine. It was fine. No, it was fine. Good. Yeah. You still have it? Yeah. Nice. Nice. I love driving cross country. I've done LA to New York, where I'm from. I've done it a total of 12 times. Holy shit. I hope I never have to do that again. So you did You did it 12 times? Well, let me explain. I was on the road working as a, uh, as, a, as a consultant for academic programs. So I would go from one school to another school to another school. So it wasn't like always one fell swoop, but I would start in, in Seattle and I'd end up in Sorry. New York or Florida. But I loved driving across country. I mm-hmm. loved 
did you do a lot of road gigs when you were in, in Chicago or do you do them now where you have to like drive out to bumfuck Egypt to perform? Are you a touring comic in that way? Um, not in a car. Um, I'm Pete Holmes's feature act. Oh, okay. Uh, like in real life once uh -huh. this ends again. In fact, I should be in Houston with Pete next weekend. <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Dude, I have fucking fans who are messaging me about dates. Who are like, is this show going to happen? Is it going to be, are you Are you going to, and I'm just like, dude, I don't fucking know any more than anybody else knows. How would I possibly know? I love Nobody that they, knows anything right now. I love, you know, I was going to ask you, because um, I was watching some of your sets on YouTube and just scrolling through the comments. Do you do that? Do you scroll through and like, look at what people say? Or are you very Taylor Swift about it? And like, nope, hands off. I can't. If I do, then it'll kill me. On YouTube? Mm-hmm. On YouTube, I'll never read the comments again. Okay. I was like, because what I was reading was so positive and so great. Just so you know, like everything that I saw, everyone was like, oh, this girl is amazing. Yeah, I won't ever look at them again because, like, the good stuff doesn't go in, mm -hmm. you know? And the bad stuff, like, one mean comment is, like, unforgettable to me. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't look at them anymore because it won't make it won't make me feel, you know? Mm -hmm. Even even if there were, like, a thousand good comments, I, at the end of the day, would not feel any better about myself. I mean, I like myself. I don't, like, fucking hate myself or anything. But it just isn't, but if someone writes like one mean thing, then I'll be like, yeah, up at night, you know, yeah. it'll like mess me up. Yeah. And for some reason, like people on Instagram usually aren't like that. People like in no other, people on Twitter aren't even like that. Yeah. In no other corner of the world are people as heinous and cruel as they are on YouTube. On YouTube. Yeah. I always sing the, the Taylor Swift song, you're mean and pathetic and alone in life and mean and mean. No, okay, just me. I'm the only T-Swift fan. Got it. All right. That's fine, you guys. No big deal. I mean, fine. it's what the fuck. Why are people mean? What, well, I wonder what that what, what that's all about. In comedy, do you, what, do you ever see comics that totally roast the audience? Or like when you do your act, is, is there anything that are you self-effacing? Because you know, I, I mean... I haven't seen your act, to be honest with you. So, um, and you've not seen mine. Um, the comics do. What do you think about comics that like fuck with the audience and make fun of the audience? Is there something? Is there a difference? I don't know, man. I mean, I think that people can do it really well. It's not my thing that I do. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have any strong feelings about that. I'm not, I'm fucking nice to people unless people are shitty to me. And even honestly, if people are shitty to me, I just ignore them. Like I'm, so I'm not someone who generally like claps back at people because I worked in behavior intervention for years. And I know that every problem behavior falls into one of four major categories. And when it's on YouTube, it's for attention because it's either attention, escape, sensory, or um, access to a tangible it's on YouTube, when it's in the comment section, it's for attention. And so, so the solution to like, tr like treating a problem behavior is you just make it so that the behavior no longer fulfills the function it's intended to fulfill. 
So if it's for attention, you have to give it no attention. You can't give it negative attention. I mean, it's a cliche, but that's what they want. They want to get a rise out of you. They know you're not going to be like, oh, cool that you fucking called me fat and said I look like a man. They know that that's not, you know, they know that I'd be like, hey, like, fuck you, you're a loser. And then they got attention from a girl that day. You know what I mean? And I, I don't fully understand the motivation. I think a lot of it is loneliness, suffering, nothing that I would want. And so I send some love out to those people. I hope that they stop suffering so much. And then I move on with my life. I block and ignore. Block and ignore. What a modern way to describe that. Um, all right. Well, I'm sorry to say, here we go with song number five. These questions pointing me in a crooked line. And the less I seek my source for some definitive, closer I am to find. Indigo Girls, Closer to Fine. Yeah. Um, this is me and my sister's song. Oh. Yeah, we'll sing the harmonies with each other. I go high, she goes low. You just know. It's not a flip-flop. Yeah. What's your sister's name? No. It will piss me off, though, because sometimes she'll jump into my part. And I'm like, <laughs> if you want the high part, you have to sing the whole high part. You can't sing, you can't arbitrarily go from low to high mm-hmm. and not tell me. Yeah. you got to pick one and stay with it. What'd you say? What is her, her name's Anna? And where is she now? She's in Wisconsin. Yeah. Do you do you get back to Wisconsin? To be there this week. Oh no. I was supposed to be there this week. I was supposed to leave yesterday. My mom was supposed to have surgery. She um, was diagnosed with breast cancer and lung cancer in November, and she beat breast cancer. And she has never been a smoker. Like we, it was completely unexpected. And she was supposed to have a lobe of her lung removed last week, but she had to postpone her surgery because she would be at too great a risk. I mean, she's already 74 and has lung cancer. So the risk with coronavirus is high, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but if she, you know, had a lobe of her lung removed, it would just increase her risk. Um, you know, if she does, God forbid, um, come into contact with the virus. So she's in her apartment right now. Um, but I was supposed to be there this week, but obviously, you know, made the decision not to go because I wouldn't want to, you know, put anyone in my family in more danger. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, um, almost drowned several years ago trying like saving a kid it's so ridiculous that this um and his lung collapsed partially i think and so he's like high risk too and so there's like nowhere and they have four kids and there's nowhere that i could go if i went there to like self-quarantine for two weeks and also we didn't know that this was gonna turn into this you know like the only responsible thing for me to do is stay here but it's really hard being away from my family right now. Yeah. Oh, totally. I had tickets to Tampa to be with my dad and his wife. Uh, they're both in their late seventies and I haven't seen my dad for a couple of years and my mom's got breast cancer and, and you know, my mom's unfortunately she's terminal, but the good news, she's a hippie. So she's like really spiritual about her situation. 
and it was going to be a double whammy. I was going to go to New York and Tampa and I start a new job in April. This is this very serious stuff. You know, this is the time I think we need music and we just need to remember like, you know, we've gotten through other stuff, but this is uncharted territory. I'm so sorry nothing. about your mom. My whole family, like we played music and, and our family, and we talked about it. It wasn't just like something's on the radio. We talked about it. We shared our feelings about it. Now that my parents are both at that stage in their life, I hope I can be as strong as they are. I hope I can. It's tough. I'm sorry about your mom, too. Your dad. Because like, I, I know about that shit, too. You know? It's a lot of stuff we have connected. All of us. This is <sighs> a great great fave five seriously thank you for sharing your songs before we let you go um we just take a kind of an emotional brain break and play a game we call band name or bar name here's how the game works laura i'm going to tell you the name of a bar in where did we go rhode island okay have you ever been to rhode island you ever perform in rhode island She's like, hell no, I would never go there. (laughs) Big Navy town. Other than that, imagine that we're in Rhode Island, okay? And you, me, and Maggie are hanging out, and I say to you guys, hey, you want to go down to Angry Salad and and grab a beer and some food? Because um, Poor Judgment is going to be playing at Angry Salad. It'll be a great time. But I can also say, hey, do you want to go to Poor Judgment? and hear Angry Salad play music. Your job, Laura, is to tell us or figure out which one is the name of the band and which one is the name of the bar. Is the name of the band Angry Salad or is that the name of the bar? They're playing it. Or is Angry Salad Poor Judgment yeah. Poor Judgment the name of the bar or the name of the band? Thinking very is that the first one or is that no, the that's example? It. That's, that's it. That's it. We're in Rhode Island. One of these is a bar in Rhode um, Island. I think I would guess that um, the bar is poor judgment. The bar is poor judgment. That's what I would guess too. It's full of like fried food. Mm-hmm. Well, here's your answer. If you're at 32 Broadway in Newport, Rhode Island, zip code 02840, you would be standing in front of the doors of P-O-U-R or judgment nice. which in fact is the name of the bar nice and you would be listening to the band angry salad and i picked that because i thought the food would throw you guys but i'm obviously way out of my league on this one angry salad was an alternative rock band from boston massachusetts who moved over to rhode island they were formed from brown university where janine garofalo one of my comic influences graduated as well back in 1993. Thanks for playing our game, Lara. We're not through the um, You have to take our next guest somewhere in the world where I can then research the names of bars and the names of bands so we can play this amazing game show. Is it the name of the band <laughs> or the name of the bar? Where are we going to go? It's up to you, Lara. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee, Wisconsin it is. You've heard it here, ladies and gentlemen, next week. That's where we're going to travel to. Thanks very much for playing our game, Laura. What is the experience of your very first concert, first show you ever saw? My first concert was Fish. I was in eighth grade, and I smelled like weed and encountered drug use for the first time. 
Do you remember? It who was you, fun. Who'd you go with? Do you remember? Like not your mom. Um, I went with like a bunch of friends and my friend Adam's parents came, but they didn't sit with us. Of course. What about the last music you saw live? God, I really don't know. Hard for everybody. Yeah, it is really hard. I really don't know. I never go to concerts. Because you're busy. You're in clubs. Oh, no. I thought, well, I saw, um, I do shows at Largo sometime, and I've, sometimes, and I have seen um, the Milk Carton Kids and Eels, and they're awesome. Yeah. And then where can we find you? Best place to get a hold of you if we want to talk more music and more songs with you. It's Twitter. Um, Instagram at Larabites, L-A-R-A-B-E-I-T-Z. Awesome. This has been seriously so much fun. Thank you for your time and your energy. All of the artists, all the songs will be played in full in a blog that you can click on the link in this post as well. Laura, thank you for, again for being a guest. David Earl Waterman for being the best co-host ever, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. I've been Maggie Mayfield. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share. We're on all the socials at YTunes. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at YTunes Shuffle.